0: This is a message from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. We pray that it will encourage you in your walk of faith. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Youssef or Leading the Way, please visit ltw.org. I was thinking about how erroneously we think that loneliness is confined to those who are alone alone. Shut-ins, single people. But in reality, loneliness is far deeper than that. Loneliness is far deeper than just being alone. For you know and I know there are some people who are alone, but they're not lonely. And yet there are people who are surrounded by myriads of people, and yet they're desperately lonely. How can they be lonely? Well, let me read to you what Thomas Wolfe, a famous writer and a famous person himself, let me read to you his conclusion. He said, The whole conviction of my life now rests upon the belief that loneliness is far from being a rare and curious phenomenon, peculiar to myself and few other solitary men. It is an inevitable fact of human existence. In a general sense, Thomas Wolfe is right. In fact, he speaks for many in our culture today. In our fast-moving society, we have found that loneliness is filling the hearts of millions. The inability to make friends and keep friends has become a modern-day pandemic. Even among believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who know that their friendships is not temporary, that their friendships is for eternity, that their friendships will continue forever. Many are finding that nurturing eternal friendships is a lost art. Pride keeps believers from reaching out to other believers. Self-sufficiency keeps believers from developing eternal friendships. Other believers have fallen in this societal mode of developing convenient friendships, of developing temporary friendships, of developing shallow friendships, simply because they have failed to understand that friendships that are developed in this life between believers in the Lord Jesus Christ is for eternity. It's forever. It will never end. You can be friendly to somebody, and you can be kind and gentle to someone. You can be friendly to your co-worker. You can be friendly to your neighbor, and we are commanded to do that, and we must do that. But with believers, friendship with one another, friendship on this side of heaven, is far greater and has far greater meaning and far greater depth than we are able to comprehend with our finite mind. And when you understand the eternal longevity of godly and eternal friendships, you will cherish These friendships. You will value these friendships. You will guard these friendships. You will not take these friendships for granted. You will not abuse, as some people do, those friendships. You will not ignore those friends. The very first words that were uttered by God Himself about the man whom He created was, it is not good for him to be alone. The very first word. And I want you to hear me right on this one. Because God created us for deep friendships. God created us for relationships. These friendships and these relationships that we will develop as members of the body of Christ will never end. They will never end. I know some people prefer their friendship with their pet than friendship with other people. I know that. I know that. I see it in others. In fact, back in July of 1996, American Demographics magazine published a study. They did a comprehensive survey across America, and they found that 54% of American pet owners would choose their pet over another human being's if they get stranded on a desert island. I got news for you. I tested this one. I called some of my friends. I just—I didn't tell them what I was doing. And they said, you're exactly right. I'd rather be with my pet. (laughs) I I think pets are wonderful. I really do. Pets are wonderful. In your house. (laughs) But in all seriousness, God created us. For deep friendships. God created us for deep relationships with one another. God created us for intimacy in relationships with each other. That is the very call of God upon His creation. Listen to me. In ancient Egyptians, they have discovered, in fact, in the most recent past, that in the courts of Pharaoh, the highest title that is given to a person is not vice president and it's not chief of staff, it's not the presidential council or the Pharaoh's council, I guess, at the time. But the words can be translated literally this, the one friend. Literal translation, the one friend. It's the highest title that is given to anybody on the courts of Pharaoh for thousands of years. One person. In fact, this description is given only to that one person in whom Pharaoh trusted completely with his life, literally. And it was said that Joseph was given this title in the courts of Pharaoh. Now I thought about this, and I realized that if we really understand what eternal friendships is all about, if we really comprehend that, we would cherish, and we would value, and we would hold dear eternal friendships among believers. But to understand the depth of eternal friendships between Christians, those who love the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to understand that it has to begin with a relationship and a friendship with the one friend, the one friend. The Bible talks about that friend who sticks to you closer than a brother. Without knowing him as the one friend, Thomas Wolfe would have been right. Without knowing him as the one friend, life would be empty and frightening. Without knowing him as the one friend, loneliness would dry up the joy that comes from eternal friendships. In fact, eternal friendships can only be experienced after knowing the one friend. It cannot happen without it. Eternal friendships are not found, they are made. Eternal friendships don't just happen. They are built stone by stone by stone. Eternal friendships don't just occur. They are established upon biblical principles. They really do. And they are very different from the world's acquaintances. They are very different from the world's friendships. And I was thinking about this, and I thought, you know, about the two guys who considered by the world as good friends, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, they do a lot of things together. They go hunting together. They go fishing together. They play golf together. They go camping together. They went one day went camping, and uh, they woke up one morning, and as they were having their first cup of coffee, all of a sudden they notice a grizzly bear just making a bill. Be- I mean, he's coming fast and furious toward them. So one of the friends immediately was putting his running shoes on, and uh, the other friend said to him, what are you doing? What are you do? You can't outrun that bear. He said, it doesn't matter as long as I can outrun you. <laughs> Good friends, listen to me. That is not eternal friendships. <laughs> eternal friendship never pivots on equal return of service and affection. Eternal friendships gives and asks nothing in return. Eternal friendship's desire is for the friend's welfare. It's sorrow in the friend's misfortune and grief. It's pride is in the friend's success. It's constant purpose is in doing and enduring for the friend. Jesus said in John fifteen thirteen, Greater love has no one than this. What is it? That he lays down his life for his friend's. Now, beloved friend, listen to me. You can go home and you can drink deeply from that verse, and you can never exhaust it for the rest of your life. So I want you to turn with me to John 15. John 15, beginning at verse 13. A greater love has no one than this, that He laid down His life for His friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you servants... "'Because a servant does not know what his master's business. "'Instead, I have called you friends. "'For everything that I have learned from my Father, "'I have made known to you. "'You did not choose me, but I chose you, "'and appointed you to go and bear fruit, "'fruit that will last. "'Then the Father will give you whatever you ask.'" Isn't it amazing? We always love that last part. And we always come in prayer and claim that last part. But we neglect all the first few verses. So now, in the name of Jesus, Father, open our eyes that we will understand the truth from Your Word. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that our hearts will be inflamed within us to understand that friendships that are eternal is what You have created us to be. First, to be in friends, friends with You and then friends with one another. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, from these verses, I have found four principles, four principles from these verses in John 15 that are the building blocks of eternal friendships. Four principles. Number one, the first step of building eternal friendship is to lose your timidity. Someone said to me some time ago, he said, the reason I have not joined a small group is because of intimidation. I just feel intimidated to be in a small group of Christian friends. And I said, well, what are you intimidated about? He said, well, in case they ask me to pray in public, and I have never done that, and I don't want to do that. Or they may test my biblical knowledge. (laughs) And I said, my friend when you understand that eternal friendship is not built on embarrassing one another, you will give up this feeling of being intimidated. When you realize that eternal friendship is not built on trying to change your temperament, whether you are shy or gregarious or whether you are extrovert or introvert, when you will understand that, you will grow out of your fears. When you fully understand that you will not be intimidated by friends who love you. In fact, eternal friendships is based on accepting one another, not trying to change each other's temperament and personality. But listen, you understand this. There's some things that are inevitable. Some things have to happen in a relationship, in a small friendship, in, around the Word of God. There's some things will happen. No doubt that eternal friendships is going to help you grow in the knowledge of God. That no doubt eternal friendships is going to help you grow in your love for God. No doubt eternal friendships is going to help you to grow in love toward one another. That is inevitable. But no one is there to embarrass you. In fact, Jesus said that friend is willing to lay his life for the friend. Secondly, that was verse 13. Secondly, verse 14, the second principle is this. Eternal friendship is only based on joint desire for obedience to the Word of God. Look at verse 14 of John 15. Jesus said, you are my friend if you can speak in public. You are my friend if you're not shy and bashful. You are my friend if your biblical knowledge is flawless. Right? You are my friend if you have memorized the Scripture. You know, I have known people who memorize the Scripture but never internalize the Scripture. That's the sad part. You are my friend if you are a spiritual giant. No, my friends. No, no, no. He said you are my friend if you do what? If you do what I command you. The one common thing among eternal friends, whether it's in a class on Sunday, where it's in a small group, where it's in a home group, wherever it may be, is a collective agreement that you have one desire in heart and mind and soul, and that is to obey Christ. Not tradition and not church polity and not this and not the other thing. It's only one thing, and that is desire to obey Christ. And when you're together in friendship with other believers, it is much easier to obey Christ. It's much easier to be encouraged by one another. Eternal friendship. Supposed to empower us. To encourage one another, to uplift one another. When I'm down, you lift me up. When when you're down, I lift you up. Because one of the primary principles of eternal friendships is obedience to Jesus. Third principle. Verse 15, eternal friendship must lead to intimacy. Listen to what Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. Actually, literally, I no longer call you slave. I'm going to come to that in a minute. Instead, I have called you friends. Not I may call you friend. Not there's possibility that I might call you friend, but he said, I already called you friend. When you have come to Jesus Christ and surrendered your life to Him, He already said, you're my friend. You're my friend. You know, during the not-so-good-old days of slavery, a slave did not know what his master is doing. He just did what the master said. A slave did not have an input. (laughs) A slave did not... Understand the plan of the master. A slave is never intimate with the master. It would have been unheard of for a slave to know the mind of the master. And that is why Jesus said, he said, I don't consider you as servants. I don't consider you as slaves. I want you to know as my friend who knows a friend. That's what I'm calling you to be. And when you know me as a friend, you're going to obey me. And it's going to be easier for you. Developing eternal friendship is very empowering for us in our obedience and in our love for Jesus Christ. The Bible said the secrets of the Lord are to those who fear Him. The secrets of the Lord are those who fear Him. And Jesus said to His disciples, He said, I reveal to you the very secrets of my Father. I've revealed to you the very secret of my nature. I've revealed to you the very secret of my plan. I've revealed to you as the very secret of my love for you. Let me have a word with those of you who say, I am never going to open my heart to anybody because that's going to make me vulnerable. And I am not going to allow myself to be vulnerable again. Now, this is a word to few of you. Listen to me. I want to tell you the words of Jesus because he had just finished telling them I no longer call you slaves of servants, but now I call you friends. You're my friends. I'm going to explain a little bit more about this. I want you to think about this. This is the God of glory. This is God in human flesh. This is the Son of God. This is the King of kings. This is the King of the universe. And listen to what he said to his friends soon after he uttered those words of saying, you my friend. Hear the words he said in Gethsemane. He looked at them and he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. The God of glory is opening up his heart to his friends. He's being vulnerable with his friends. And, beloved, let me tell you something. If the God of glory can open Himself and be vulnerable among His friends, who are we to refuse? Now, that kind of honesty and openness is the mark of true love and eternal friendships. You see, when Jesus said those words to the disciples, you see, we we use the word so lightly in His friends or their friends or their good friends, and, and we just talk about it in such light terms That we don't understand the incredible impact of those words upon the disciples. Because the disciples understood from the Old Testament, which is their Bible, and they understood from the culture of the surrounding nations around them, this is a big word. This is not just a word you throw around. And that's why they were mesmerized by what Jesus is saying to them. I mean, they literally cannot even believe their ears. Because in the Old Testament, we hear only twice that Abraham was a friend of God. And then we hear that Moses spoke to God as a friend, speaks to a friend. But that's it. <laughs> that's it. It's such a rarity for God to be a friend of man. It's such a, a rare thing. It doesn't happen every day. They understood that there's an incredible, rare privilege that Jesus is saying to them. It, it wasn't just, a, well, you, you know, I like you guys. You know, I love you guys. And we just use those words so lightly. No, no, no. In fact... They also understood that the rulers and the kings of the neighborhood in the, in the neighboring countries, as we saw from the ancient Egyptian culture, where there's only one friend in the courts of Pharaoh, one friend, the one friend, and the king of kings is inviting them to be that one friend, each one of them. Do you understand? Can you comprehend the awesomeness for God to call me a friend? To call you a friend. Do you understand that? The king of kings is inviting you to be his friends. Listen to me. There can be no greater honor. There can be no greater intimacy. There can be no deeper love. There can be no closer friendship. And the disciples were drinking deeply of the awesomeness of that statement. Because they understood that a friend is given information that nobody else has, that a friend is brought into greater intimacy that nobody else can experience. In fact, Jesus said in fifteen sixteen. look at verse 16, which brings me to the fourth principle. He said, you did not choose me, I chose you. And the fourth principle in eternal friendship, in that verse, you did not choose me, I chose you what is Jesus saying? Don't wait for someone else to initiate the reaching out to you, but rather you initiate love. You initiate friendship. You initiate inviting. You initiate calling. You initiate welcoming. And when everyone does the initiating, no one could say, nobody's reaching out to me, because we're all reaching out to one another, amen? When Jesus called us friends, He initiated choosing us. He initiated it. And you know what He's saying? He's saying, you too do the same. You do the same. You do the initiating. You too do that. Follow my example. You too become vulnerable for my sake. Let me tell you this as I conclude. And you are a man in the West Coast He was my teacher, and uh, I visited with him several times, one-on-one, loved being with him. And he told something that I have never forgotten, and uh, he writes about it, and he constantly initiated it and talked about it in his own church. And he says there are four remarkable things about the sandhill crane, you know, that long-necked bird that migrates south in the winter. He said, there are four things about those birds that are absolutely important for every body of Christ, every believer to understand. He said, those birds fly, that's the first thing, he said, they fly in a V formation. They fly in a V formation. The second thing he said is that in front of that V, there's always a leader, and that leader does the hard work. He's the one who sets the direction to the entire formation. But because it is such hard work, making waves, if you like, that leader or the leadership position rotates among them. So no one up front all the time. They can't do it. It's an impossibility because it's very, very hard work. So the leader takes a break and go back in the back of the line, and another bird will come out and lead. And the fourth thing he said... Whenever these birds following the leader in that V formation, the rest of the birds are encouraging the leader by honking. Honk. give <laughs> it up. Honk. <laughs> Good going. <laughs> and beloved friends, I want to tell you that's what the ministry is all about and the small group ministry is all about. It's not about embarrassing you or testing your biblical knowledge. It's about eternal friendships. It's about iron sharpening iron. It's about lifting one another and each other's burdens. It's about helping one another to accomplish God's plan for our individual lives. It's about better impacting your workplace for Christ. It's about better impacting your neighborhood for Christ. It's about lifting up one another.